Welcome to Jarden's Startup Tech Series, where we host entrepreneurs, venture funds, and technology companies on trends across the industry. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by a former colleague and now UK startup dating app entrepreneur, Jessica Alderson. Thanks for joining us, Jess. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So can you start to explain about how the origins of this business came about? Sure. So it actually kind of started in Sydney. So as you know, I moved from London to Sydney a few years back now, and I moved with my boyfriend at the time. And then I guess around a year later, uh, the relationship didn't work out. And at the same time, I was leaving my job in investment banking. And so I just decided to take a year out really to travel, explore, learn, you know, read about things. And because I guess Partly because I'd had this breakup, I started looking into personality type compatibility because I've been interested in personality types for a long time up until then. But I've mainly been using it, I guess, to analyze colleagues in more of a work. <laughs> and then yeah, just started applying it to dating and love and then just became completely fascinated by it, really, and spent most of the year reading up about it in some ways or talking to people I met when I was traveling about their kind of you know, relationship dynamics. And yeah, and then at the end of the year, I got back to London and I was having drinks with my sister Lou and she was saying how her friends and colleagues were going on these terrible app dates. And I was like, I know a better way of matching people. And I explained the research that I'd done over the past year. And she was kind of skeptical at first. She wasn't really into personality types as such then. She definitely is now. And so, yeah, but then actually we applied the matching algorithm to friends, family, her own relationship. She'd been in a long-term relationship with her perfect personality match. And she was (laughs) sold. So literally the next day I went to her flat and we started working out how to build a dating app based on Myers-Briggs personality types. So psychology meets tech. So the name of it is called SoSync. Can you give us a bit of origins as to what that name and its origins are? Yeah, so I guess, you know, it's all about meaningful connections and it's obviously about more than just looks. So it's really about syncing with someone, being on the same wavelength. But that doesn't necessarily actually mean being very similar. So the concept or the matching concept is to pair couples who have just the right amount of similarities to form a strong connection and understand each other, and then just the right amount of differences to create that spark, because neither extreme is usually super ideal, I guess. So I love all of that stuff, but we're really keen to know a bit more about the business itself and the, the economics. So can you talk about, you know, what's the revenue and the pricing model look like? Yeah, so at the moment, the app's completely free. That Mm -hmm. will change quite soon. So we are about to launch a membership package. So that will be a paid monthly subscription. But we're actually not taking any features away. We're essentially adding additional features. So if anyone's using the app right now, um, don't have to worry. Like The core (laughs) features will, will remain free for sure. Great. And what's your geographic footprint at the moment? And where do you think you see it going? Yeah, so I mean, at the moment, our biggest market by a long way is the US. And I don't think that's a huge surprise given, well, A, it's a massive market in itself, but B, Mm -hmm. people are really into personality types there. Then our second biggest market is the UK. We have quite a few users in Germany. You know, we've actually had loads of people join from Australia recently. (laughs) (laughs) influx, And it's really interesting because... It can be things, you know, we haven't actively marketed in Australia, but it can be simple things that set off a chain event, like maybe someone shares it. 
in an Australian Facebook group. And then, you know, people tell their friends and that kind of thing. So yeah, that, that was quite an interesting trend. But I think, yeah, for the foreseeable future, we'll be focusing on the US and I guess, you know, getting to a critical mass in certain markets there. Do you mention just then about Facebook being perhaps one of the ways and, and a bit of a network effect with driving, you know, conversation? What is your go-to-market strategy in, in pushing such things? Yeah. So, I mean, the majority of our growth up until now has been organic. And it's, I guess, when you're targeting a niche, I think it's slightly easier to achieve that organic growth because, you know, there are groups of people online who love personality types. They go to certain forums every single day and discuss them. So quite often we'll get someone who's, you know, joined because they were complaining about dating apps on Reddit or whatever. And then people on Reddit are like, oh, have you heard about So Synced? Yeah, a lot of it has been organic. And at the moment, we are, I guess, kind of literally just ramping up our marketing. So Mm. we raised a funding round, talk more about later in March. And then actually for the past few months, we've really been focusing on product. So just like refining the app. Now we're at the stage where actually we're we're starting marketing in, in quite a big way. So that will involve all sorts, PR, digital ads, on the ground marketing as well. So yeah, lots of different channels, really. Sounds exciting. So I guess we'll hear more. So I might move on to asking about the industry. And as an equities analyst, formally, I'm sure you know how to think about the framework. Can you maybe talk about the target market size and the potential growth and some of the drivers in there? Yeah. So in terms of revenue, the dating app market now is around 4 billion US dollars. And I think one really interesting point to note is that actually you think, you know, Everyone who's single is on a dating app, or at least at least we do because we kind of live and breathe that. But actually, the market penetration is still very low. So mm-hmm. it's around 5%, which in the big scheme of things is, is not that much, really. And, and I guess, uh, you know, markets where dating apps have been around longer, the market penetration is around, say, like 15% or just over. And I think, you know, I think that could go actually much, much higher. So I think really we're in the fairly early stages kind of dating out market. And Tinder was only launched. It was around a decade ago now. So it is still fairly, fairly new. And then I'd say another quite interesting thing is that when we launched, you know, we're like obviously aware that we're competing against the bigger dating apps. But what has been quite unique is that you know, we've talked to a lot of our users and quite a lot of them actually hadn't ever used a dating app before. They said, you know, we really just weren't attracted to the ones that were available, but we love personality types. We're really interested in psychology and we saw so synced. And so we actually, you know, we we're actually talking to couples as well. So they're, they're like, oh, we used it for the first time and we found, you know, found an amazing partner. So, yeah. And what do you notice any differences between different global markets? I think you mentioned perhaps some that have had the likes of these these apps have been maybe a bit more mature. Would you say, you know, comparing different markets, where do you think those are more mature versus less mature? Yeah, I'd say the US, UK, Australia tend to be more mature. Yeah, we actually have had really quite a lot of traction in India as well. Quite interesting. Yeah, so really, really, it's those three, to be honest, though. Yeah. And then moving and thinking about that competitive landscape, you know, there's been quite a few stocks over the years. I remember some of the media stocks that we used to cover had a few, you know, back in the day that they sold or shrunk to not much anymore. How do you think about the competitive landscape? 
I think the, the USP is really important. I think it's very hard to, I mean, dating is a competitive market. It's very hard to kind of launch a dating app without a very clear USP now and be successful. As I mentioned before, it really helps to have that niche to help spread the word, people who are really passionate about it. And, you know, I, I've spoken to a lot of dating app founders now. Mm. Dating founders are ones that have been successful. I've also talked to a lot of dating app founders of apps that have failed. Mm. And what I have noticed is that the ones that have been successful are a lot more likely to just have a very clear niche. And you just need a real reason for people to use your app rather than a, a much bigger dating app that clearly has a bigger user base. Like, why would they use your app? Because mm. they really love the concept. They think that the people on there are going to be much more on their wavelength or what they're looking for. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we've grown pretty, pretty quickly, really, despite it being a competitive market. And then one other thing I'd say about that is that despite there being a number of dating apps out there, actually a large portion of the user base are just not happy with them. So there can be as many products as you like, but if if the customers are not happy, then there's always space for better one. Yeah. Um, and how do you make sure that you differentiate yourself? Is it really just stemmed down to the model um, itself? And, you know, what stops somebody else from potentially replicating that? Yeah. So, I mean, it really is the personality type angle, which is the differentiator. And yeah, I mean, I think to be honest, I think we launched at the perfect time as, you know, looking at a kind of graph of trend of interest in Myers-Briggs and it's kind of just going up and up and up. I mean, yeah, I'd say a differentiator is really branding when it comes to dating. We have an advisor who's a dating app founder and he is essentially a chief technology officer. And he said himself, he was like, you don't win as a dating app by having the best tech. Like, mm. don't get me wrong, tech is complicated. <laughs> it's <up> a lot <laughs> of our time, a lot of our money. But at the same time, it's not like, I don't know, there's much more complicated tech products out there, essentially. Mm. But when you think of, I guess, the most successful dating apps, you really think of a very clear brand. I think that's that's one of the main differentiators. Yeah, yeah. And how do you see the landscape evolving? It sounds as though right now there's the view that adoption's still relatively low. There's quite a few market players in there. It's quite competitive. Do you think it's a, a winner's take all market or do you think it's more of an oligopoly or even broader than that? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think there has been a really interesting trend recently where there have been more and more niche dating apps popping up. And it completely makes sense, right? As the market size mm. grows, the market for these niche dating apps will be bigger than, say, like five mm. to 10 years ago, whereas it wouldn't have been worth launching one 10 years ago when there were not that many people using dating mm. apps. Now it really is. And it completely makes sense as well, because on these, I guess, more, more niche dating apps, or at least dating apps for the USP, people join them because they are really drawn to that specific USP. And I think mm. they are a lot more likely to find what they're looking for, be that a long-term relationship, a hookup, you know, <sighs> whatever you're looking for, it's fine. But I guess what you want to know is when you join a dating app that the other people on there are kind of, there's a high chance that they fit that kind of, that idea that you have. So mm. I think that will be a trend that we continue to see is that we'll see more and more kind of, I guess, unique dating apps with the USP uh, kind of popping mm. up. Yeah, it does make sense. We do even on the tech landscape see a lot more of those verticals uh, rather than horizontal players seeing market share, as you mentioned, when you've got a sizable market, that tends to be what we start to see, a bit more fragmentation, but 
again, it appeals to that market. If you look at the unit economics, you mentioned tech and R&D, but also the importance of branding, so the sales and marketing side. What do you see as the biggest input cost today? And how do you see that trending over the next, say, one to three to five years? Yeah, sure. So at the moment, really, I guess the biggest cost for us is tech, and particularly because we have been focusing primarily on the app and refining it and adding new features. We are actually at the moment starting to switch some money from tech to to marketing. And I think that that will essentially continue, really. I mean, we will obviously have to grow the tech team as we grow. Um, We won't be able to, I guess, you know, have the tech team that we have now in, say, like three to five years. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, I think that the portion that we spend on marketing will grow as well. Yeah, makes sense. And when you think about acquiring a customer, I know it's hard now because you're only just rolling out the potential monetization phase. But, you know, you, you've probably done some due diligence around some of the potential peers. How do you think about the cost of acquiring a customer and, and how quick that payback period could be? Yeah, so I mean, it kind of varies from app to app. But typically, the acquisition cost can be anywhere between thinking about it in Australian dollars, I guess, probably about <laughs> $5 to $10. Mm-hmm. But because we had that good organic growth, we're expecting that to be, or at least the average acquisition cost to be to be lower mm. for us for you know, really quite yeah. a while, if forever. And then, yeah, the revenue model, that really varies like, a mm. lot from app to app as well. Mm. You know, some apps charge, I guess it'll be around 30 Australian dollars a month. Some apps charge, you know, 80 Australian dollars a month. So <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we, we're kind of, you know, I guess just working out the pricing at the moment. Yeah. yeah, we'll have to circle around and, and see how <laughs> it pans yes. out once yeah, we move exactly. into that phase there. And then you kind of think about the lifetime value. You know, you've got your core product. Do you think there's a way to add on other, you know, sales propositions, other alternatives? Have you given any thought around that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. One, I guess, feature that we're really keen to add at some point is a feature to or for people to find friends. We've had a lot of comments from people saying that they really like that mm. as a feature. We haven't got that in the app right now, just because I want us to do it well when we do it. I don't want to just add a line saying, are you looking for dating or friends? Because if you go onto a dating app and you're swiping through all these people, or clicking through all these people, and then actually, you know, it's like, oh, looking for a friend, looking for a friend, looking for a friend. It's not really the best user experience. So that's why we haven't just kind of, I guess, put in a simple kind of looking for field. So we want it to be a separate platform within the app. So you can switch mm-hmm. between dating mode and friends mode. And then also because of the psychology angle, there are other things that you can do around that. Maybe hmm. probably not one for the near future, but I guess you know sessions where you can talk about dating and personality types and give advice around that really. Mm-hmm. And then thinking about strategies for growth, where do you see the growth coming from? Is it more about delving more into the markets like the US you mentioned that you're in, or is it about further global expansion? How do you think about that pathway? Yeah, so really for now it'll be the US and some actually specific cities there. So we're starting with New York. And I think one of the key reasons for that is it is important to get a critical mass, right? If someone joins and there's no one within a you know 30 mile radius or potentially even less, then they're not going to come back to the app. So you could be spending you know, money on acquiring that person and then they never come back. And, and use it and that's not ideal so yeah I mean we're, we're just yeah focusing on on getting those on that critical mass in certain cities then definitely expand globally as well 
as I mentioned, you know, UK and Australia are a top market um, mm-hmm. on our priority list. Great. And then M&A, whether or not it's you looking at M&A or have you seen consolidation already in, in the space? Yeah, I mean, it's a very acquisitive market. Some of the bigger players own, you know, close to 50, 50 dating apps. So there is quite a lot of consolidation that has happened already, really. And yeah, it, it makes sense. But I mean, I guess there are now more and more recently there have been more bigger players so mm-hmm. 10 years ago it was one or two companies that own lots of different dating apps and have lots of different brands now there are more and more so I mean I guess positive for the smaller companies if they want to be acquired because there's more more kind of competition but yeah no it's probably you know one of the most acquisitive markets really yeah and lastly I'm going to turn the tables and talk about you Jess so you're an equities analyst turned female entrepreneur and a big proponent in that space as well can you tell us a little bit more about that journey about starting the business and and perhaps any other tips for entrepreneurs out there yeah I mean oh it's definitely interesting and I think you know when we started it we really had no idea what we were in for it's like you know we've loved it like absolutely loved it but there have definitely been a lot more challenges than we expected and I think that is not uncommon for first-time entrepreneurs <laughs> I've talked to true. quite a few yeah exactly and uh, you know in our mind we're like right let's just create an app uh, <laughs> like, I love very very nice but you know really I was saying to my sister the other day, like we are essentially problem solvers, decision makers and enablers. Like every day there's kind of, you know, it genuinely is like, what problem do we solve? And it's not necessarily a really urgent firefighting problem. It's not like, you know, touch wood. It's not like the app has gone down. That, that doesn't really happen now. But it is things like, you know, how can we increase this conversion rate or how can, what's the best acquisition channel? Like if if you don't think you have, problems as a business then you're probably not pushing yourself and kind of reaching your potential because there's always things you can improve that is kind of what makes it fun as well I definitely do like the mixture of creativity and numbers as you said you know being an equity research analyst I am completely obsessed with data so (laughs) just before this was like you know it's the first thing I do when I get up in the morning I look at all these different probably about five or six different data sets like right you know we need to focus more on that or oh this these stats are looking really good but I do I do kind of love the data side of it <laughs> can take the girl out of equities but can't take that side out yeah. of you <laughs> yeah exactly yeah Fantastic. Well, thank you once again, Jessica Alderson, the CEO and, and co-founder of uh, SoSynced. I appreciate your time and being on our Talking Tech series. I think we'll circle around in the next 12 months and see how the business is progressing. Thank you so much for having me.